0: Welcome to the Tideline Talks podcast, where we discuss all things related to sports medicine, health and wellness. We dispel common myths and misconceptions regarding healthcare, and we do it in a way that's easy to understand. It's hosted by yours truly, Dr. Michael Slifani, founder of Tideline Sports Performance and Rehabilitation. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Tideline Talks podcast. This is your host, Dr. Michael Scalfani, and today I'm joined by Brandon Hardy, who's the owner of a great powerlifting gym up in Palmetto called Barbell Vice. So thanks, Brandon, for coming aboard today and sharing a little bit about your story and about the gym. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, let's do this, Brandon. Let's uh, let's start at the beginning. So, we always like to hear about people's origin stories and about their background, where they grew up, and how they got involved in the sport. So, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Are you a Florida native? Are you B Town original? Where'd you grow up?
1: Uh, yep. Yeah. So, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I was. I am originally from Bradenton. Yeah, born and raised. Excellent. Um. I've realized the older I get that that's kind of like a rare breed. Um, My parents were from this area. My grandparents were from this area. So we have like a long history of um, being in the same spot. (laughs) Deep roots, huh? Yeah. My uh, great grandpa even has like old Kodak pictures of like Siesta Key and stuff like from back in the day and everything. So. That'd be Um, really cool,
0: because you see some of the, like, artwork and stuff with, like, the old school cars driving mm -hmm. down Siesta Key Drive, and that could have been your grandparents or great-grandparents, huh? Yeah, he
1: actually had a chance to buy, like, a big chunk of Bird Key, like, back in the day, and I think turned it down. And, like, because it was just, like, snakes and alligators back in the day, there wasn't, like, it wasn't St. Armand's and this whole whole thing and everything, but... Yeah, it's been, it's pretty cool to go back and look at those and just see like these trees on the CS key, like right on the water and everything, just like a whole different looking beach back then.
0: Totally undeveloped, right? Yeah. And then, mm-hmm. uh, so tell us a little bit about, uh, your, your sports background growing up. So did you, growing up, were you athletic at all? Did you do a lot of team sports, individual sports, or, um, you know, what was, what was your athletic career like, you know, prior to college
1: and, and above? Um, So growing up, I was a diehard uh, baseball player. Um, Started when I was five years old. Parents realized I was left handed and um, I just like I fell in love with the sport. It wasn't ever anything that was like forced on me. It was just I started playing it and I didn't even think about playing any other sports at the time. Like that's all I wanted to do. And being in Florida, it's the perfect environment for playing baseball because you can play at 365 and so, um, grew up playing little league at Manatee East. Uh, I think now they're out of liquid ranch and everything. Um, at the time they used to be over by the fields used to be by Tropicana. Um, and, <clears throat> uh, just, I think my coach called me a student of the sport. Like I just love the sport and all I wanted to do is play baseball. Like I never got in trouble because I knew if I got in trouble, I wasn't allowed to play. So I just like, I avoided any like trouble. <laughs> um, and so, played baseball, uh, got into my senior year. I actually played at uh, Lake Ranch uh, my senior year and wasn't sure if I wanted to continue on. Um, When you play from five years old to I think 18 at the time, um, you either have that point where you're like, I want to continue doing this or I want to try something different. And that summer I played for a team called Post24. So it was kind of like a compilation of all the athletes from the area were on one team. Um, And it was so much fun because it was like all the kids that I played against in the all stars and like in high school and everything. Now we were all on the same team playing with each other. And it just like we won every game so easily. (laughs) And so that's when I was like, okay, I want to continue playing baseball. Um, It was very short notice. So like my coaches were like rushing, trying to find me a college team to play for uh, decided Um, I got an offer to play for a school in Oklahoma, out in Oklahoma City, and just went for it. So I went out there and played for a year and experienced Oklahoma. (laughs) What
0: was Oklahoma like compared to the bayou and swamp waters that was Old Siesta Key and Bradenton? Um, Did you like that? Like uh, I guess that that true like South
1: uh, part of this uh, the United States out there? It definitely was. uh, I remember going with my mom the first day to do like my tryout with the coach. And we stopped at the gas station and the lady's like, hey, welcome. You know, how you guys doing? Um, You seem new to the area. Do you need directions to anything? And I'm like, holy cow, like we are not in Florida anymore. (laughs) You know, like even, you know, the people at the gas station are like asking like if you need directions. Like and so that was definitely kind of an eye opener. Um, Places closing down at like 9 p.m. at night and everything, you know, and like even Taco Bell was closed at 9 p.m. at night and stuff. So like you couldn't even go out and get like, you know college kid and you're you got cravings, you know? And like, so, uh, it was an interesting experience for sure. Our first home game was actually canceled due to a tornado coming through the town oh, and everything. No so like that was an experience, getting used to the tornadoes and then them testing the alarms every Saturday morning. Um, so at 8 AM, right? Yeah. And yeah. then one thing I didn't really realize Oklahoma is very windy cause it's very like flat land. So like every day was like 20, 30 mile an hour wind gusts on the norm. So, depending on where, you, what field you're playing on for baseball, it could work out for your benefit. Cause you hit a pop fly in Florida, you'd be out, you hit a pop fly in Oklahoma and all of a sudden it's a home run. So <laughs> it was a pretty cool experience. Um, met a lot of friends there. Uh, a lot of the athletes on the team were either from California or from Florida. So we all kind of bonded like being coastal boys and, you know, being beach bums and everything. And then like being in this Midwest town where there was just nothing. You know, so it was, it was an interesting experience. So I was only there for like a year and everything. Did you get homesick or uh, what ended up happening after a year? Um, so what happened was, uh, the market crashed. So it was around 2008, 2009. Um, my dad owned a landscaping company. And so when the market crashed, people aren't going to be paying for, you know, their lawns to get mowed and landscaping anymore. So, uh, it took a pretty big like financial toll. On our family. And so um, just decided it was time to kind of like move back and kind of get a job and help out with the family. Sure. When you stuff, came so.
0: back to Florida, did you live at home or did you still like living on your own independently away from your parents or what you end up doing? You know, you kind of you go from high school to college and you get this like huge burst of freedom and independence. <laughs> yeah. And then when, you know, you, uh, you know, altruistically, decided to come back to Florida to help your family out. Did you end up, you know, how close did you get in terms of like living proximity to them?
1: Uh, Moved, moved back in with the family. Okay. Um, Parents were very welcoming. You know, there was no, like, you have to get, you have to move out or anything like that. And um, my mom, she raised three sons and she probably still wishes that we were at the house. You know, like their dream is to have, 50 acres where all of us have houses on the same property so that they can see us every day. <laughs> where are they now? Are they uh, still in the same house? Palmetto. In um, Palmetto. So we, we, we've we moved around but always been in the same area, but now they live in Palmetto. Where do your brothers so, live? Um, One now lives in Denver, Colorado. The youngest lives in Denver. And then um, the middle brother, Garrett, he lives in the area too. Oh, he okay. He lives in, uh, in like the Bradenton Bradenton area so so she has
0: a shot potentially a two <laughs> out of three kids <laughs> right. like setting up shop on uh, yeah I on like St. Pete too
1: much so I don't yeah worry. I was about mm-hmm. to say because
0: you live you live in a pretty cool area yeah. just a little bit north of Palmetto over the bridge right yeah. close mm-hmm. to downtown and close to uh, Tropicana right
1: yeah it's pretty crazy because back in the day you never went to St. Pete unless you were going to like at the time they were the devil race so You go to a game, you get in the car and you'd go straight home because St. Pete wasn't like what it is now. And so a few years ago, I had started training at Pinellas Barbell. Um, So it required me to be in St. Pete pretty often because I wanted the powerlifting gym to train at and uh, spending a lot of time up there. I'd go out to eat with friends up in that area. I'm like, man, this is a really cool area. There's just a lot of really good restaurants. There's a lot of things to do like outside and just um, had a really cool vibe about it. And so um, I met my girlfriend and come to find out she lived in St. Pete and I was still living down in Palmetto at the time. And so moved up with her and then yeah, I've been there for a little over a year now and everything and I love it. It's just, it's a really cool town. Well, that's funny you say that about uh,
0: St. Pete because you know I've only been in the area just under three years, and I've always known St. Pete as like the fun, young people, like artsy kind of very, I don't know, just very like like welcoming environment with very you know, progressive
1: city. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm.
0: dog bars and you know just a ton of breweries, just really cool spot. It's just mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear that historical <laughs> background of like you know it's a little little sketch areas things like that as well, which is almost hard to imagine now where especially especially like central and downtown
1: being so, I don't know, so developed. And so like, just has a really cool vibe to it. Even like during the fall time, like they do things like um, movies in the park. So they put up like projector screen and people bring them lawn chairs and like, it's just, there's so many things that they do throughout the year that um, it really makes, makes you appreciate like having a place like that to go and enjoy and like being close to the water and just with the restaurants and, the parks and everything, you get a little bit of everything, so. Sure,
0: that's awesome. Well, let's, I think we skipped a couple tracks (laughs) ahead, but uh, tell us a little bit about, so you're playing baseball, you went out to Oklahoma, you came back, uh, back to the Bradenton area, Um, you're helping your parents out. How did you go from playing baseball into like a pretty individual sport like powerlifting? Like what was that transition like or how did you discover that sport? Um, Like, tell us a little bit about that.
1: so my senior year in high school, um, I was, uh, working, I was going over to a friend's house that had a batting cage in his backyard and we'd hit. And then he actually had some gym equipment in his like back patio area. And, um, his parents used to own a gym. So like he actually knew how to like squat bench and deadlift properly. So he started, you know, we, we would do the batting cages and I'd say, bye, he's like, I'm going to go work out. And then eventually I was like, Hey, you mind if I like start working out with you and everything. And so, um, just, it was like just a natural progression of him teaching me how to do like these movements and everything. And it just like, I fell in love with it. Was that your
0: first time in the weight room? Cause I know some high schools, well, I, I should say now, Most high school sports have like a varsity or at least some JV strength and conditioning coaches. And they're very big into getting getting their high school athletes in the weight room just to kind of help cross train. Did you guys have any of that uh, when you were playing baseball or
1: was it pretty lackluster? What was that like? Uh, It was. So the time that I was playing baseball, I don't think strength training had really been like talked very much about for baseball. Definitely for like football and other sports, you always saw, you know, high school football players like bench pressing and stuff. But for baseball, it was like, go run, you know, like go run laps, you know, do rotator cuff drills. There is no like lift heavy, you know, like actually put muscle on, put size on because they always thought that would affect your athletic ability as a baseball player. Like I just remember just running like, you know, uh, foul poles, you know, back and forth, you know, all the time and uh so that was really kind of like my first introduction to like strength training and everything and um it definitely like i got pretty hooked on it um because then i went out to oklahoma and in high school i was leadoff hitter so i played center field uh, smaller fast little guy you know i bought slapped the ball to you know the the like left field and turn it into a double And then through all this lifting, I go out to college and I'm all of a sudden a power hitter hitting in the five spot, you know, and just hitting home runs left and right. I'm faster and everything. And I'm like, wow, I've been missing out on so much, you know, so that definitely like I realized that, you know, in college and then I just I was like that meathead bug like bit me, you know, so it was like I if I wasn't in class in a baseball practice at that point, I wanted to be at the gym, you know, like I definitely had that, like, you know, that first like rush of like, this is what I want to do
0: kind of deal. Sure. And then when you came back to the Bradenton area, um, did you work out at like a commercial gym? Did you find a powerlifting gym? Did you have something uh, at somebody's home gym or what was your, what was your um, fitness career like at that point?
1: So I think everyone kind of has like one person that like, recommends them to go to a certain spot or like hey you should try this like there's always that one person that like comes into someone's life and is like try this out or something you know and so i was lifting it used to be called um lifetime fitness on state road 70 i think it's like a bounce it's like a tra- tra- trampoline gym or something like that now um and uh i was doing just your basic you know kind of like hybrid work. I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, like a lot of people I was just coming in and I always had like a deadlift day. So I was deadlifting and this is back before gyms had like actual platforms and stuff to deadlift on. So I was just doing probably three fifteen at most. And I remember trainers running over to me, yelling at me cause I was being too loud and obnoxious and stuff, you know? And I'm like, did they have the like hexagonal <laughs> plates and things like uh, that? I don't think the they age, had but... those yet. Okay. everything Not yet.
0: Um, were these at least still metal
1: plates I th- though? I think they were the no? rubber coated, but they were, okay. um, you know, they're still, so, they're circular plates. Okay. Um, and they came over and yelled at me and like, you can't do that. You know, you're making too much noise. And, and literally right after that, this older guy came over to me. He's like, man, you should go check out a gym called Muscle Works in Bradenton. You'd be great at powerlifting and stuff. And I'm like, never heard of this gym before. Like, sure. So um, we... One Sunday I drove over there with my dad and it was in a um, kind of like a storage unit behind sports authority off Cortez real hole in the wall type gym. You know, I mean like it just grungy, dirty, you know, I don't think anything ever got clean. This is definitely before (laughs) COVID, you know, like people would bleed doing deadlifts on the bar and not clean it and stuff, you know, like it was definitely one of those old school, hardcore gyms. Um, And I remember the first day going with my dad, And driving by the place and seeing all the trophies like in the front door and just driving right by because I didn't want to go inside. So I was like way too like like nervous and scared. What were you afraid
0: of just out of curiosity? Because obviously now like you're a very accomplished power lifter. Yeah. It's like Um, to think of you being intimidated at a gym is just like.
1: I think seeing the trophies and everything definitely intimidated me. Yeah. Um, And just. Like you go from seeing you go to these like pristine commercial gyms with the spas and saunas and, you know, everything. And then this place, like there's barely a sign on the door, you know. And so over a little bit of time, I finally like got the courage to go in and uh, it changed my whole life. It was just like meeting these people like they become your family. And like those kind of gyms just have like the best communities. Most of them do. You know, there's always like bad apples and stuff. But. Um, it was it was just the best time. Um, well, they're always the tightest
0: communities too. Because oh, yeah. it's mm-hmm. like, even if you don't need a lot, right? You go to, nowadays you go to a commercial gym and it's like, you maybe know a handful of people <laughs> or you see in passing the yeah. same people never talk to them because you've got your own headphones in, doing your own programming. But then you get gyms like, barbell vice and these like really, I hate to use the term grungy because that has a negative feel to it. Because, you know, nowadays, I don't think that a lot of gyms are grungy now, even the warehouse gyms. Um, I think back in the day, like in, you know, the time period that you were talking about, the kind of gritty, dark gym was, like, all the rage. Like, I don't know if you remember uh, Animal Pack and Frank McGrath. They always had those, like, black and white images of just, like, ripped T-shirts and tank tops and just, like, just super grungy knee wraps and elbow sleeves.
1: And that was just, like, that was the thing, right? That it was supposed to be. I had the DVDs. You know, I'd watch the Frank McGrath DVDs. No no sound. You know, I think they just played, like, some slow, like, music in the background, but, like, there was no talking. It was just like him basically breathing and lifting <laughs> and stuff <laughs> exactly. the whole time. And like, I loved them. I'd watch them before I'd go to the gym every day, you know, exactly. watch the YouTube videos and everything. Um, and it was crazy because now we're so used to there being like a plethora of specialty gyms all over the place. And I really realized how lucky I was that that place was so close. Granted, you know, you still drove 30, 40 minutes to get there because it was more in town, but realized how lucky I was to actually go to a place that had people that competed in powerlifting actually had powerlifting type equipment and everything. Um, because there just wasn't. Maybe the closest place to that gym at the time was like Jacksonville or something, or Mm. people had like powerlifting equipment in their garages. But nowadays you can go and you can go on Google and find a powerlifting gym almost in every town. Like it's, it's pretty wild. You know, even the commercial gyms are more set up now for, uh strength movements i don't know if they like it that much but like some of them actually have some specialty stuff and so like you can get by with doing it you know Mm -hmm. um but just realizing how lucky i was to like find that community find that kind of gym it definitely like um caused a big impact on my life for sure in the very beginning you know point of my like lifting career well,
0: when you when you joined that gym, did you have any aspirations of being a, a competitive power lifter? Or were you still of that mindset of just like, hey, I just want to get a good workout in? Like where where was where were you sitting at on like the general fitness versus like the
1: powerlifting deep dive that so, you I didn't really know anything about powerlifting. Okay. Um I came in, I was lifting, and then I think there was maybe a sign on the door for a competition down in Fort Myers. Uh Knew absolutely nothing about powerlifting. I didn't know anything about the rules. Um, I literally signed up for the meet. This is 2009. Signed up for the meet and I showed up without a singlet. I didn't even know you had to wear a singlet in the event, you know? So, like, that's how, like... Would you just, show up and just like shorts I had, and a t-shirt? I had shorts and a t-shirt, you know, like <laughs> I had my gym bag. Like I had my belt and wrist wraps and everything. You but you have like, your chucks and everything too? Oh, well, well, I think I did have chucks. Yeah, okay. I actually had chucks. That's back when you could like, they first started allowing me to customize them online. So I had like my name stitched on the back and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably
0: parents with the bedazzled
1: jewel jeans and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Age, yep. You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I probably maybe just threw them away recently. Like I held on to those shoes for a long time. Those were so, those were yeah. like the, you knew somebody was a
0: power lifter and a deadlifter the second they brought the chucks out. Oh, for like sure. that was just like their claim. Like anybody <laughs> could wear whatever to like a globo gym or whatever. But then the second you brought out the chucks, it's like, oh man, this dude's about to pull some heavy this ass weight. This guy's serious. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly.
1: So I, I did my first competition down in Fort Myers. Uh, and it was absolutely horrible. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I don't think I got a single squat in cause I, loaded the bar too heavy, you know, and you get no rubber being too high or, um, I think I just put too much weight on the bar, you know, and like, uh, just couldn't, it it was like 400 pounds or something like that. And I couldn't squat it at all. (laughs) And then, uh, I went on to bench and I didn't know the commands I bench. So like the first time I unracked the bar, they're like, wait, you have to wait for us to tell you to unrack it. And so like, I did like, I literally just showed up not knowing any of the rules. I just thought I was just going to lift and go home and everything. But then, What really hooked me was on deadlifts, Um, lifting at commercial gyms. I had never actually used chalk before, like we always use lifting straps and everything. Um, They had chalk there. So I put chalk on my hands and I'm like, wow, I feel so much stronger already. And then this guy came up to me. He's like, hey, man, put some baby powder on your legs. It helps the bar glide up your legs easier. And so long story short, I ended up pulling like 501 that day at the meet and everything. And I was just like I was hooked. Yeah. You know, I didn't care how I did in the squat or bench press, but like I pulled five hundred pounds and I think it weighed like one sixty at the time or something. <sighs> that's and that's pretty impressive though. It was like fifty pounds more than I probably had ever deadlifted. And I was like, All right, Just... I wanna I wanna continue with this. Um and so that's kind of definitely where like that, you know.
0: Kind of got that bug then. Yeah. So then you go back to uh you go back to your intimidating Frank McGrath <laughs> gritty gym, right? Right. And then now you're like, all right, now I actually want to train to be a legit power lifter and not just some noob that shows up in shorts and a t shirt anymore.
1: Yeah. So I definitely got more serious. Um okay. like I um started lifting with like the crew that was training there. You know, Saturdays were always like a three hour long squat workout. So you know, you'd bring food with you and you'd eat during the workout because there's literally like eight different guys. Um, there's even like uh, a dentist and local dentist in Bradenton, Margaret Kirkland. She had like, she was a world champion powerlifter. So like my goal is always to like out squat her on Saturdays because <laughs> she competed at maybe 120 and she was like out squatting me in the 400. So oh my, God. my, 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 like every Saturday was showing up, trying to like beat this 120 pound tiny dentist lady, you know, and then it was anywhere from like them to guys having a thousand pounds on their back and stuff. And, um, it was just wild to see. So being in that crew, like the, like, you can't, you can't like fabricate that type of like, you know, atmosphere, um, by yourself, you know, like being in that environment, it just makes you get stronger automatically. doesn't matter what program you're following, just being in an atmosphere like that. So, um, definitely got more serious. Uh, I did another competition in 2010 and that went well. Uh, and then after that, um, I actually got into strongman for a little bit. So it took, um, like I said, there was a sign on the door for a local strongman competition on Bradenton beach and strongman was really bare bones. Then like, there wasn't a rogue fitness where you could go on the website and buy strongman equipment. You would have to find someone that had strongman equipment that they basically like made at their house. You know, so we'd go to this guy's house off Cortez and Bradenton and train and do strongman. So did strongman for a little bit, but I definitely enjoyed the powerlifting. Um, what was sport the more. appeal
0: to strongman? Was it just something different? Was it just like odd objects and weird movements that just was just
1: a variety as opposed yeah, to yeah, like squat was, bench and deadlift. It was seeing. Remembering, like I always loved watching like Bill Kazmaier and those guys on ESPN doing the competitions, Um and like with powerlifting, I didn't know really know anything of about it like how to sign up and do competitions until like i saw the flyer on the door you know and then i just like, sure, let's go give that a shot. I'll you know? met our X bar or whatever and just go to town. Right. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, I mean, I f- yeah. I forgot about that company.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Now they're not around anymore. <laughs> but I just remember seeing like all the guys from like Pretoria, South Africa. Right. That was where yeah. all of them were on ESPN for the world's strongest man. But yeah, it was always just like a, I feel like nowadays people still kind of group the two together, you know, powerlifting and strongman, but they really are different. And I think, uh, you know, there it's kind of that similar, I don't want to say avant-garde, but it's definitely like you're down like this rabbit hole niche network in terms of fitness between like powerlifting and strongman stuff. But uh that's really cool. So then how did you circle back then to powerlifting? where you did you go back to the same gym that
1: you were at in Bradenton? Or uh, so Muscle Works actually closed down in 2014. Oh, um, okay. And so that really uh that was a rough time because you go from like this place, you know, and these people being your family and this is the place that you can go when, you know, everything else is going wrong. The gym has always been that place where you can go and you can shut off the rest of the world, the rest of what's going on in your life. Like I said, like my my dad had lost a lot of work at the time, so like finances were really really tough at the time, you know, we had got evicted out of the house we were living in. All of our cars got repossessed, you know, so like we were literally a family of five living in a like garage apartment from like some family friends at church, you know, so like, but the gym was always a place that you could go to and you would forget about that stuff for a little bit and you could just get in your own little world. You could put your own music on, you could talk to people and then all of a sudden that place was gone, you know, and I I, actually at the time, which is funny, I had talked with friends about buying all the equipment and opening up our own place and, um, just never worked out. And so then that's when just like the crunches started popping up. And so everyone kind of just dispersed from muscle works and, you know, a few went to certain crunches, really fitnesses, but, um, really kind of like took the wind out of my sails for like competing and lifting. Cause then you go to these commercial gyms and you're fighting over racks, you know, to get your lifts in and it's just not the same. Like there's a lot of people that do it, you know, like there's super strong people that go to commercial gyms and they are able to do their thing. And it was just like, it was really tough for me to like find that mindset again after training in in an environment like that. Um, So really had a long downtime of like not competing. So I think I did like a 2009 2010 and then some strongman stuff, but it wasn't until like 2018 that I really got back into it. So I did have a decent like downtime of like constantly trying to get back into it, but never really like finding my groove and stuff. Well, you're absolutely right though about, I think,
0: you know, a lot of people that listen to this podcast, a lot of people that we interact with at at our practice here at Tideline, I think look at the gym the same way where it's a, um, it's a haven, right? Like, it's almost like, uh, I don't want to say escapism, because it sounds like you're running away from something, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But it is, it ends up being like this oasis for people to just, you get in. And I think a lot of people, um, especially I've noticed in this area, we have a lot of like that Midwestern vibe, like my my wife and I are from Ohio. And there's a ton of people, like you said, there's a lot of a lot of non-native Floridians here. And a lot of people have those Midwestern values where we're, we're very selfless, and we're always kind of giving and giving to other people and I think I know for me personally like the gym is my one to two hours where it's do not disturb it is like I don't even think about work I try not to think about anything else and I am like unapologetically selfish right and I mean you you own a gym now Mm -hmm. so you're always you know catering to members, you're always thinking about, you know, you're a small business owner. So you're thinking about, you know, business strategy, financial strategy, things like that. But, you know, when you work out, it is your, it's your escape, it's your oasis, right? And like I could not imagine what that would be like to just not have that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would just be it'd feel like the floor just went out from underneath my feet, you know, and you're this like free fall state of flux, right? Where you have like no grounding, right? So mm-hmm. uh how did you deal with it? Like, did you did you some people will go from like uh, one lifestyle change to like another hobby. Like you pick up like a non sports related hobby during that time, or you just kind of put your nose down and just go into work and just kind of go
1: into your own small space or. Yeah, I think, um, it was one of those, one of those things where you kind of lose the mindset of like what you enjoy doing and like what makes you happy. And then it just, for me, it kind of just became like, I'm gonna go to the gym, but then like I'm also just gonna focus on like work and everything. And you for you forget to like pursue things that like, you know, bring you happiness and find like hobbies and things like that that um you know aren't always just work and stuff. And so for a while it was just, you know, um like not really having knowing like who I was at the moment and then like having a vision of what I wanted to do for the future. So it was, it was a lot of just, you know, going to work, going and maybe getting a workout in, and then just like kind of coming home and everything. And, um, after so long, um, I remember just one day like waking up and I'm like, I'm very unsatisfied with just where I'm at. Uh, How I ended my powerlifting career. And I'm like, I want to do whatever it takes to like get back into it and everything. And so that's where those wheels started turning again. And it was like, I gotta get out of the commercial setting. I've got to go and find a place. And then luckily at that time in 2018, 2019, I think CrossFit had become very popular. And so it has CrossFit has been amazing for so many reasons, but it has brought in like popularity back for like powerlifting and strongman. And so a lot of gyms that weren't available in like 2014, 2015 are now popping up. And so, um, I'm like, if I'm going to do this, I need to do this right. I need to find a good gym to train at and I need to hire someone to keep me accountable because if I try to do this on my own, I'm just going to keep falling back in the same old routine. You didn't um, join
0: CrossFit because I can't see you as a CrossFit athlete. No, 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 at no, well. no, no. Like, um, the, the thought of you like doing box jumps and running and like, <laughs> butterfly pull-ups, no offense, it's, right. it's, it's hilarious. So. Probably
1: after baseball I probably could have because I had that conditioning level and everything, but um, I wanted to get back into strength training. And so uh, Jim denofo who has CrossFit, CrossFit Havoc, he has a decent like open gym section. Um, so I started going there, and I had uh, Josh Bryant, Um, he's a pretty popular, um, strength training coach, powerlifting coach on Instagram and everything. So he started programming me workouts. We picked a meet and, um, you know, that was around 2018 time. So then, uh, being, being with like an actual like person to program my workouts and to do like weekly check-ins, like it definitely, kept me accountable. And then just over time, it started becoming just like, I felt, felt like I was back in my groove again, you know, everything. Sometimes you
0: just need that. Like all it takes is just a good coach. I know Mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, like it takes one person to kind of pull you away from the mainstream into like, in your case, the powerlifting world. But it sounds like, uh, you know, you had a great coach who was able to kind of pull you out of this like funk, this lull period and start to give you a direction. And I think that's where, so I, I love the coach that I work with as well. And it's great because I don't have to think about where I'm going, like how mm. I'm going to get there, things like that. Like that's what he does. Right. And he's very objective about it, which is exactly why we hire coaches. And it's, it is, it's a beautiful thing because now we don't have to, we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to think about it. We just kind of list our goals and, and they take care of it. And you were able to do everything then at, uh, at CrossFit Havoc at gym. Show. I, w- I went to
1: CrossFit Havoc. Um, and then a a gym opened up down in Sarasota. Um, it's not there anymore. Um, but I was just scrolling through Instagram one day and I found this gym in Sarasota that had like all this powerlifting equipment, like calibrated plates and specialty bars and everything. And I'm like, where is this, where, where did this place come from? And so I, um, started going there and lifting and then it was just like very, like spontaneously started creating a powerlifting community there at the gym you know, and to where now I have some of my best friends that I've met there are my best friends, you know, to today. And, um, we started competing together and I'm like, this is what I I wanted, you know? And we started doing meets, competing in t- as teams. And that's where that just like that flame was definitely like re sparked for competing. And so since then I've done like Two competitions each year since 2018. Nice. Good for you, Brandon. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're,
0: you're a really good, obviously, really good <laughs> lifter. You, I know you own a powerlifting gym, but you are a very, very good powerlifter too. So, thank you. Uh, but how did you, so how'd you go from, you know, going back into the gym world, working with a coach, and then going into back, I guess, revisiting that idea of like, hey, you know what? I want to open up my own thing. Like, how did, how did Barbell Vice get sparked then? <laughs>
1: um, is pretty wild. So, uh, some definitely like some life changing events happened to me around 2019. Um, and so I ended up moving back in with my parents. Um, and I was kind of at like a crossroads of what, what I want to do, you know, with my life and everything. And so at the time I had like a decent amount of credit card debt and I'm like, okay, let's move back in with my parents instead of trying to go get my own place right now. Cause they were they were like, come live with us, you know, as long as you need to got a second job. I worked part-time job at Publix for about two years and, um, I paid off my credit card debt and then I started putting like money in savings and I'm like, okay, now we have like, we've got some money coming in and then COVID happened. And so I was actually getting ready for a competition and COVID happened. So gyms closed and, um, but I was like thinking they were only going to be closed for two weeks and come to find out gyms, you know, this was going to turn into a much longer ordeal. So my parents had a little back patio section by the pool at the house and my mom loves working out. And so we both were like, okay, gyms are closed. We still need to work out. So we found a CrossFit gym that was selling some equipment. So I bought two like squat stands a little flat bench. We put some horse stall mats down and that's pretty much where Barbell Vice started. We started just working out on the back patio. Um, neighbors across the canal were complaining cause their houses were shaking when we were deadlifting and stuff. <laughs> cause I had friends start coming, you know, yeah. cause like, uh, even like Jordan Wong, his gym started like in his garage, you know, cause mm-hmm. of COVID people started coming. So like I had a barbell and I had plates. So people started coming, you know, and started working out with us. And, um, So I started buying more equipment (laughs) and eventually I had like a few barbells at the house and everything. And um, I'm like, you know what? Like, I think it was the time to open up my own gym. And so literally the first place we found on Facebook Marketplace is the place I'm at now. We saw it for lease, went over there and looked at it. And it was just one of those feelings where like this is this is the thing. This is supposed to happen. You know, like there was never any like second guessing with this stuff. And so I signed the lease on the unit and my dad owns a painting company. So we ended up splitting half of the unit. So he had some painting supplies on one side. And then I had like a few like stall mats and the squat stands. Um, very like bare bones type equipment. and um it was actually one day where i was i eat lunch on a five gallon bucket often because i still paint full time <laughs> so <laughs> i'm sitting on a five gallon bucket eating lunch and uh there's a show on fx called archer and they did a season called archer vice and so i'm like Huh, Barbara vice has a nice ring to it so That's awesome then i started like instantly googling it and like searching it to see if that was a name and it wasn't a name so i'm like that's the name so well and you have such a cool logo like you you managed to bring back like that retro
0: vibe it really wasn't i mean it's still like becoming more and more popular now but i mean back at the time a few years ago that you're talking about it was definitely not like as mainstream to bring back the retro like miami vice city all that stuff right like that's just a stroke of marketing genius it it
1: definitely all came very natural to me um like nowadays, I definitely see the blue and pink colors a lot everywhere I go. And I just kind of like always chuckle to myself. Like, I don't remember seeing those colors. Not saying that I did. I'm just saying like it, it's definitely become like more popular now. Like you, you see all the Instagram pages with like the retro 90s, like Taco Bells and McDonald's. Mm-hmm. And um, and so came up with the name on a five gallon bucket and then trying to come up with a logo. And um, I wanted something that stood out because you go to a lot of gyms and definitely powerlifting gyms. They seem to just like, they put horse stall mats down, they put banners on the wall and like, that's their gym. And if that's your thing, cool. But like, I wanted something to where like Gold's gym in Venice, they have that green wall. And so you see people take pictures, you know, exactly where they're at, you know, they're at Gold's gym in Venice. So in my mind, like I want a place to where if people come and lift, they post on social media you don't have to tag me in post because you're going to know that you're lifting people are going to know that you're lifting a barbell vice and everything. So sitting at a gym one day, just kind of brainstorming with a friend. And we came up with the whole like logo design there and everything, like with the Tommy gun and the colors and like, where'd the Tommy gun come from? Like, cause that uh, was not
0: <laughs> that's not really like an eighties, like, like Miami vice. Like you don't, you don't see some of the TV shows from back then with like Tommy guns. Is that like an homage to like, the twenties and forties. I think of, like, we were
1: just trying to come up with like some kind of like, yeah, it's not Miami vice, but it, we we're trying to come up with some kind of like, maybe like gun with like a flower or something like in the design and everything. And then um, if you look at the, like the logo closely, there's like plates where the, the drum would be. So like we ended up putting like the barbell plates, like where the Tommy gun would go. And then, so it just like, that's cool. Yeah, it just kind of like came, you know, one day just brainstorming things. And so we came up, it came up with the colors and the logo and the name. And, you know, that's where we got all that from.
0: Well, you're absolutely right about um, the iconic look that your gym has, because when you scroll through on Instagram and you see somebody tag a lifting video and you can see the stripes <laughs> in the background, like it's like, oh, Somebody's training at Brandon's Barbell Vice Gym, like it's very iconic in the same way that, like you alluded to, Gold Gym Venice is, right? And I think it's really cool too because, um, yeah, it is just unmistakably your gym, and um, yeah, it's just a cool, it's a cool vibe too. I think with the with the bright colors, I think a lot of a lot of places, you know, like we were talking about earlier, with just that gritty dungeon feel, you were almost going for the exact opposite of right. like neon bright, like pastel. So um, it's almost kind of like rather than like dungeon grit energy, you were just going more for just like, just a fun Florida vibe energy. And I think that's really cool. I mean, I love that was intentional, but it's it's super awesome.
1: I wanted the place to where you get off work, and you're exhausted, that you want to come to the gym, like, I want a place where you walk in and you're like, I want to be here. You know, the music's going and you got the lights on. Um, and you look forward to going there, you know, and I, and I think I kind of did that with like the theme of it and stuff and just with the colors and, um, because, you know, like the whole like mentality of getting into the gym, like after work and everything. Um, if, if it's a place that's like exciting to be in, then you're going to want to go there. And so that's kind of, I wanted to make it a really unique spot for that. So that was kind of like my goals there. And then, It was really kind of just, um, everything happened very naturally. Like I never had like a plan for any of this. Like I never had like a five year plan. It was just like COVID happened. I need to keep lifting. I have enough equipment. Let me find a place to like convert it into a gym, you know? And so, um, but now, now that we've been open for a while, like I definitely have a vision for the place. Um, But in the, in the beginning, there definitely was just like, let's just lift. Let's just, you know, there's not a, there's not a powerlifting gym in the area. So let's just open our doors. If People are tired of, you know, the commercial setting. Um, and they want to actually train with special equipment, actual equipment that you're going to compete with, um, come lift with us. And so over the, over the past few years, everything that's happened has just been like oh, I can do this now or something. You know, it's just been like a domino effect um, to be what it is now. That's great. How did you um, start recruiting members and people to join the
0: gym outside of like your mom and your dad at this painting supplies? <laughs> like, how did it go to, you know, because you, you have a pretty popular gym now. Like, how did you, how did you ramp that up? How did you scale that?
1: Um, so I don't do any advertising at all. Like, I don't even have a website um, that's going to be coming soon. <laughs> Um, it was basically just, um, Instagram, like I started posting about it and, um, people started seeking me out because a lot of people are moving to this area. It's one of the most growing areas in the country. And so people go on Google, they search powerlifting gyms, and I think barbell of ice pops up. Um, and so just very naturally people looking for me. Um, it's been pretty cool because I didn't take out any loans on the gym. So like, it was one of those ones where I could monitor who I let come into the gym. So like in the beginning, I'd have a lot of people like, Hey, I saw you on Google. You're close to my grandma's house. You might have a come lift there. And then I'm like, then we'd go through this whole like vetting process and everything. And, um, you know, because it's definitely since it is such a small gym and it's really unique equipment, I was really particular on who joined, And so even with the amount of people that wanted to join there in the beginning, I would, I actually turned down a decent amount of people, um, because they just didn't realize what we were and like, you know, I wanted to make sure that if you're a competitive powerlifter and you're in there to train that you can come in there and train and not be like distracted. Mm. That was kind of like my, like mindset for the place. So didn't do any advertising. Um, it was mainly just kind of like word of mouth. Good for Um, you. How we we build members. So I know a lot of people like start with like garage gyms and they start getting clients, but I'm still working a full-time job. So it was like, as long as I'm making my like rent, then, you know, I'm always happy with it. So that was kind of like how we started. So I didn't really have like a plan to search for members and try to find people. I just let people find me and come, come with there kind of.
0: That's awesome. That's
1: really <laughs> cool. I mean,
0: that's just like solid organic growth, right? Like you mm-hmm. can't, you can't pay for that. You can't hire somebody to do that for you, right? Like that's just solid, just business ownership right?
1: i don't know if it's the best way to do it but it know, worked for you
0: though right i yeah. mean because now i mean well let's talk a little bit about because you just completely revamped the gym too so i definitely want to spend some time <laughs> talking definitely. a little bit about the upgrade so tell us a little bit so you know now it's been when did when was the official open date for barbell vice like two members to be able to join
1: um so i know i signed the lease september 1st 2020 okay so it's um, been about
0: two and a half years yeah
1: um I don't really remember when we did the actual grand opening, but yeah, probably like, you know, two around two and a half years, we've been growing a lot. Now my focus is definitely kind of turning into a full time gig because at the, at the time that wasn't my plan, but now with the growth and just really falling in love with this whole process, I'm like, okay, this is something that I can take seriously and do full time now. Um, so after I hosted the vice meet in March, my plan was to look for a bigger location and because, um, you know, we're kind of we're smaller and started looking around, realizing that there really wasn't anything available. It seems like the two thousand and three thousand square foot warehouses are gold. You know, they're diamonds in the rough and people that have them don't give them up very easily. And if they do become available, they're gone in like seconds. So um, was really striking out on finding a spot. And then just out of nowhere, the realtor that I deal with, like with my landlord called me and was like, hey, Brennan, your, your landlord would like to offer you the place for sale. Um, you know, and at first I was like, no, not interested uh, just because I wanted a bigger spot. And then the more I thought about it, I realized that there was a lot of unused space in there and that if it was going to be mine, that there was a lot that I could do to work with the space and, and make it into the, like what it is now. And so, uh, I started the process of making it mine, you know, um, and signed the le- signed the mortgage. And then, uh, I really wanted to do obviously now with everything, like you can tell like I'm a little extra with stuff. <laughs> and so, um, first off I was like, we gotta do something with these floors. And so, um, now that it was mine. I'm like these floors because whoever owned it before, it was like a motorcycle repair shop, just painted it with like some red paint and stuff. So um, now that I knew it was going to be mine, it was time to make it something special. So we went in and I took a whole week off of work to do this. I think we did 12 hour days for a full week. So started with getting all the equipment out of there because um, I, I had to get a completely empty gym. And then um, did a whole day of grinding the floors. I bought a floor grinder. Actually, the whole video is on Instagram. If you guys want to watch it, but, uh, that was a process in itself because the company lost the dust cover to keep the dust to a minimum. And which was fine on the first half. But for some reason, the second half was completely different than the first half that I grinded. And it just created this cloud of dust everywhere. Um, so it's like you were back in Oklahoma again. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So I was already like three quarters of the way through. So I'm like, let's just keep going. So like, Afterwards, we spent hours having to clean the gym and everything. Um, Did the floors. I wanted to do a really unique uh, epoxy on the floor. So I went to a certain company in Sarasota and we did like a custom like pink and blue flakes. That's awesome. So um, yeah, it came out great. So we did the floors, had to wait for it to dry and then went in there, kind of just repainted everything, got all the equipment back in um and now we have this barbell vice 2.0 and everything so it looks um, awesome thank you I, i haven't been there yet but it looks
0: the the new upgrades look amazing like with the the loft that you redid like just, um, you were even, uh, telling me off air before we started this podcast about how, you know, you, you're so into like Tetris and reordering things, right. And just we uh, rearranging things. And I think that's, that's key, right? Because if we have a finite amount of space and you need specialty equipment. So just for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what makes the, for example, the squat equipment, what makes the squat equipment at a powerlifting gym, like barbell vice different than, going to LA Fitness Crunch or a commercial gym um and just, you know, throwing plates on there and squatting it, right? A squat's a squat, mm-hmm. right? But tell us a little bit about about what makes powerlifting equipment so unique so people can get a more of an appreciation about
1: like what all went into barbell vice. Gotcha. So um since I am a competitive powerlifter and I'm a gym owner, that's why I kind of viewed setting this place up. I wanted very specialized equipment so that you had pretty much everything you needed to be able to train for competitions. Um, and so with powerlifting, uh, it's kind of unfortunate. There's a lot of different federations. So there's a lot of different rules with federations, but they're all kind of generally the same. Um, certain federations we use a, when you do the squat movement in competitions, you actually use a special squat bar. So it's 55 pounds. It's a thicker diameter. So for those big guys that are squatting 900, 800 pounds, the bar won't bend and whip as much. Um, so we have, uh, three special squat bars just for that. Um, I've had guys come into the gym and squat 800 pounds for 10 reps. Uh, Dan Bell came in and squatted 940 pounds on it, you know, so you need, you need stuff that will handle that kind of weight and everything. So that's why it's very specialized, um, in the gym that we have that you won't have at, certain commercial gyms. So, um, special squat bars, uh, even our normal power bars are very top of the line. So much better knurling grip on them. So people will come to the vice for the first time after lifting a crunch and instantly hit PRs on like deadlifts or bench press, just because of felt better the equipment feels, you know, in their hands and everything. And then for deadlifts, uh, we actually use a deadlift bar in competition as well. It's a thinner diameter. It's a little bit longer, so it actually bends. So when you go to pick it up off the ground, it will actually kind of give a little bit of a whip at the beginning. Um, so depending on how you set up, you can actually use that to your advantage. Get some plates actually coming off the ground before you even do your deadlift and everything. Mm-hmm. And then also with those, special knurling, so that like there's no slipping out of your hands and that. So... Um everything in vice is pretty much geared towards uh competitions. So uh the squat racks that we have in there are squat racks that you would actually use in competition. Um so you you can very easily transition into your gym atmosphere to like meet day meet floor experience. Um you know down to the regular flat benches that I have at the gym, even the flat benches and the power racks are unique for competition, as far as like height from the floor to the pad, the width of the pad, all that stuff is very, um, competition specific type equipment and everything. Um, you know, uh, chalk, we have chalk. A lot of gyms don't like chalk. Um, the calibrated plates, you know, when you compete in powerlifting, you use calibrated plates because the plates at your commercial gyms are normally weighed within a like 2% weight tolerance. So your 45 pound plate might be 46.4 pounds. And the next one be like 43.2. Um, but using calibrated plates, they're weighed in within like a 10th of a gram oh, of what they're actually supposed to be. Um, very expensive. So that's why a lot of gyms won't have them. So, um, we get a lot of people coming to the gym just for that specific reason, just for those calibrated plates. Um, they're thinner diameter. So it does change like the dynamics on the bar. When you lift, um, some think it makes it easier, something it makes it harder. So, you know, if if competing in powerlifting is like your thing, then, you know, I highly recommend coming and training at a place like vice or other places that have, you know, that type of equipment. Um, it's like, it's once you touch like an actual nice barbell, like you will not want to go back to like those slick barbells that like other gyms. So oh um, that's really what like makes vice unique. Um You can come in and you can put your own music on in your headphones or you can hook your music up to the Bluetooth speaker. You know, like it's just that kind of like vibe in there. If you're going for a PR like, hey, can I put my song on for my lift? Like, sure. Let's blast your music and let's everyone cheer you on, you know, for like for a big lift, you know, so. Sure. Things like that you just don't get to experience um, at most gyms. So that's awesome. How can um,
0: let's say somebody's interested in checking Vice out? Things like that. Um, is it specifically just for competitive power? I know you said originally you wanted to keep it to people that were serious about powerlifting. Um, are you and and you may still be be more of a powerlifting specific gym, which is totally cool. Uh, is that kind of where you're at now where it's like, you're really looking for those people that are, are geared more towards powerlifting than say coming in and doing like generic, you know, weight
1: training exercises. Uh, at first I was now, um, I've kind of relaxed on that a little bit. So we, we do have some general, you know, mem- you know, general population people that, uh, we just tired of the commercial gym setting and aren't really interested in competing. Uh, to be honest, they might come in and train harder than most of the power lifters in the gym <laughs> and everything. Um, so we do have, you know, um, a lot of jujitsu athletes, um, uh, Josh, the who owns North river jujitsu, he mm-hmm. worked out at my gym. A lot of his, um, athletes come over and train because they're beginning to realize also the benefit of strength training combined with jujitsu, um, how much it carries over to their sport. So. Uh, we've got some absolute savages over there working out now and everything. Um, as far as people interested in joining the gym. Um, so Vice is a private gym. We don't have, you know, the door isn't open to just anyone to come in. So what I recommend is getting in touch with me. Um, we set up a appointment to me, um, like I said, there's a lot of specialized equipment in there. So I like to take the time to like introduce myself to the people, show them all the equipment, um, kind of give them like my expect my expectations for the place and then like what they can expect from me. Um, and I think that's been a really nice thing because I come in, I, or I take vacation for a week. I come in and the gym is exactly as I left it. Um, I think taking that extra time to meet with people and to introduce yourself and walk around with them, um, explain things to them. It's been very beneficial, I feel. And, um, so no, you don't have to be a competitive powerlifter. Um, just someone that wants to come in and work hard, you know, this is the kind of gym that, um, you show up, you work hard, people support you and they cheer you on. It doesn't matter race, sex, um, religions, uh, you know, political views at the end of the day, you come into the vice and you train hard, you know, people are going to support you like no matter what. Um, I think it's one of those few places that you can actually get a group of people with mixed views and, and everything, and actually like get along, along, you know, well with each other. So, um, yeah, I just recommend hitting me up like a DM on Instagram um, I think my contact info is on there as well, but normally Instagram is the best way to get a hold of me.
0: That's sweet. It sounds like you built a really, really great community, and I know we've worked with a few uh, patients that work out at Barbell Vice, and they've always had nothing but great things. And you know, obviously, you put on an amazing Manatee Strength Expo with Steve. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. a couple months ago now, and uh, yeah, same thing. Just like bringing so many people together, I think is just. One of your talents which is awesome because a community like this a fitness community needs a break from the commercial gyms or the people who are just kind of wandering and just not you know finding their place looking for like a true like hardcore badass gym that's outside of your crunch la fitness you know globo gym style feel so that's awesome uh one last question and then we'll wrap it up okay deadlift do you do mixed grip straps or double overhand <laughs> what do you like uh i'm mixed grip
1: conventional yeah. which which side's up uh right hand uh, over left hand under are you right-handed i'm left-handed oh, oh that's right you're yeah. a softball mm-hmm. okay yeah interesting uh I always give all the members of the gym that pull sumo a hard time. Yeah. Know? I think it's mainly just because I can't do it. <laughs> it it's just it hurts that. my hips. Yeah. It's too hard on my mm, hips. Yeah. Too. It's like if I could do it, I probably would pull sumo. But um, yeah, conventional all the way. Mixed grip. Mixed grip. Um, straps uh, feels weird to me. Do they? Yeah, I think. But it's also just because with competing and powerlifting, you don't wear straps. So um, I'm just so used to that certain setup. Um, probably if I train with straps more, it'd be normal, you know, it'd be, you know, but there's really just like no need for it. Um, cause you don't compete with, you know, they get a little raw too, you know, like you don't, you don't get that raw feeling with a mixed grip,
0: you know, it settles into the, your, into your hands a little mm-hmm. bit more. You use straps and it just chews up the back of your
1: hands too. For sure. I've tried hook grip. Um, yeah, how did that go for you? Don't it? really like it either.
0: <laughs> I didn't either. I felt like my thumb was just going to break completely in half. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, uh, we use our hands uh, at our job. And so do you as a yeah. painter. And it's mm-hmm. like, last thing I need is gimpy thumbs running around too. Yeah, right? I
1: watched some of the guys on Instagram pull hook grip sumo. And it's the most fluid, like artistic expression of like a deadlift you've ever seen. And I'm like, that's amazing. I don't know how you do it. It's like, you know, it's <laughs> absolutely amazing that you're doing that with like a thousand pounds in your hands and it moves like I deadlift one thirty five. But <laughs> like, um, so uh I think with that it's just play around with the different, you know, the different grips, the different stances, and just find what works for you. Like it's very easy to get influenced by these people on Instagram, the shoes they wear and the stances and stuff they do. Um I think the best way for yourself to progress is set up camera, videotape yourself. Uh, we're our biggest critic. Um, watch yourself and you know, a three quarter view, a front on view. Um, you'll see a lot of things that like maybe a coach or your friends won't see because, um, like I say, we're biggest, our biggest critic. And so you're going to see things that no one else is going to see. And I think that visual aspect for me at least has helped, uh, fix a lot of my form and technique over the years. Um, and then like, I, I see someone lifting a certain way on Instagram. I try it. I'm like, why am I doing this? You know, it's just, I know what works for me and I think it works. It's the same for a lot of people, you know, get influenced by the influencers. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Brandon. Well,
0: thank you so much for hopping on the podcast, sharing a little bit about yourself, the origin stories of vice, everything like that. We'll, uh, for sure put in the show notes, some links to your Instagram, how to get a hold of you, things like that as well. But, uh, but yeah, thanks so much, man. It's been awesome working with you and some Mm -hmm. of the athletes that train there. Like I said, I've had nothing but awesome things to say about you in the gym. Thanks. I appreciate that. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just wanted to say thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others by taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it to your story on Instagram by tagging at Tideline Sports Performance so we can repost it. And to stay up on all the latest from us, make sure you follow at Tideline Sports Performance on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast. All right, guys, catch you next episode.